0: Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Legendarium Podcast, another weekend edition coming to you a little bit late because we had to make a little bit of time. Uh, we had to allow time for our guests today to arrive. First of all, Kyle, you're not even a guest. I, I barely even want to acknowledge you, but you're here.
1: <laughs> I'm not I'm not a guest. I'm not welcome. I just am around.
0: You're just... He He wandered in. Yeah, it's fine. And we said, I've been
1: living on this couch for a while now. There's. I mean... There's electricity out here. No plumbing, but it's fine. I've got a
0: corner. So, oh gosh, get out of my studio. We don't even joke about that. Uh, So uh, what was it? Kyle, we have company. Oh, damn it. Every time we have company, you're on your worst behavior. I know. It's just who I am. With us today are Drew and Lauren McCaffrey. Say hi, guys.
2: Hey. How's
0: it going? So Drew and Lauren are, uh, would we say minor or major JordanCon celebrities? I'm oh, going to go with major. He's Minor. major. Yeah, you're major Minor. at least, Drew. So JordanCon, if you're not familiar with JordanCon, it is the annual celebration of the works of Robert Jordan, uh, meaning the Wheel of Time, essentially, and beyond. You know, we also celebrate Brandon Sanderson and Tolkien and other sci-fi and fantasy stuff. But, you know, it's mostly a, a Wheel of Time thing, and that's your guys' big thing, uh, is JordanCon every year right for the last four years or so mm-hmm. and so that's where I met you back in April and finally we are in the same town together so we had to do an episode so I'm glad you guys are here
3: yeah and thanks for having us so excited,
0: very welcome and if you want to catch drew on uh, some other stuff go check out uh, inking out loud inking out loud is a podcast that's somewhat similar to our own in that it's a book discussion uh, podcast so if you enjoy what we do and you want to get more of that in your ear holes we don't provide enough two times a week. Then uh, go check that out. Yeah, yeah. I said ear holes. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, it's okay. best behavior, Craig. <laughs> so I forgive you. <laughs> so I, you know, I was thinking about uh, what kind of topics should we discuss this weekend? We've got these people in here for anything. We could talk about anything. How about the Wheel of Time? You guys tired of talking about that yet? Shocking. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Not tired. (laughs) Never. So the wheel of time. What I did was that we're gonna make this a wheel of tangents episode. So we are gonna spin the wheel. I solicited our Discord server for suggestions on questions and topics and prompts uh, to get us talking about anything related to the wheel of time, and they really came through. We have 16 suggestions. Uh, And we are going to address some, but probably not all of those today. So if you have not read The Wheel of Time, please tread carefully. I think it would be safe to say that we'll try not to spoil the biggest things in the series. Uh, And so if you're somebody who hasn't read the series, if uh, if if you want absolutely no spoilers, then please leave now. If you're not too concerned about you know little plot points here and there, then you probably are okay to stick around, right? Yeah. Probably. Do we feel? How do we feel about
3: these rules? I mean, uh, I, I guess rules. it'll depend on <laughs> it'll depend on <laughs> okay, which Matt. topics we end up landing on, how. How intense yeah, spoilers right. yeah. are going to get. But.
1: This, this episode is dark and full of spoilers. Is what <laughs> I'm saying.
3: I'll try to remember to warn if I'm about to drop
0: like a just giant plot point. Okay, right. <laughs> all right. Uh, but yeah, tread carefully. You have been warned, and now I've done my due diligence. I get I get lit up every once in a while, like on Twitter <laughs> and stuff. Somebody'll somebody'll say, "Oh, well, listen to this episode," and Megan spoiled whatever. Or Stephanie spoiled this, or Craig spoiled that, and uh, sorry, we try. Uh, okay, so. Wheel of Time, uh, if, you, if you have read it, you love it, and you know everything about it, until you talk to Drew and Lauren, <laughs> and then it turns out that they actually know everything about it. Uh, so we're gonna talk about 16 prompts here, uh, and we've got the Wheel of Tangents, but the, the problem is the wheel only has eight slots. So Lauren is gonna spin the wheel, and uh, Drew is gonna flip a coin, and that will determine whether we uh, times that number <laughs> that we land on by one or two, And that will determine the number that we talk about. So, are you ready, Lauren? Ready. And Drew, go ahead and let's get our first number. Drew? Heads. Heads, that's times one. And what did we land on? I'm going to say seven. Seven. All right. So, topic number seven comes to us from Armorhide. I think that's its Christian name. Uh, (laughs) If this show does well, would you like to see some of the spinoffs that never got to be like Matt and Tuan going back to the Empire? So, okay, referencing the Wheel of Time show coming up on Amazon. Uh, of course, it, you know, if you're living under a Wheel of Time rock, then you haven't heard of this. But, uh, yeah, so it's coming up next year. Uh, there there are some potential spinoffs. Uh, Matt and Tuon is the one that he references, but there's probably some other ones, like the Shara. Or is so, it Shara or Sharans? Shara is the Empire. Shara is Correct. the Empire. Sharans. I the mean, people. the the spinoffs that
3: Robert Jordan planned on writing were the outriggers with Matt and two on, and then he was planning another Moirain and land book leading up to them arriving in the two rivers. And then he was planning a story about Tam, uh, and his time with the alien or companions, the IO war and finding Rand. Uh, I think, I mean, my, my initial opinion would be no, uh, maybe new spring. If they don't include that stuff in the show to begin with,
0: that's, I mm-hmm. everything you've mentioned so far can easily be included with flashbacks, flash forwards, flash whatever.
3: Yeah i I would be really, really wary of a Matt and Tuon show specifically, just because there's no information from Robert Jordan on that. Uh, I, I, and I don't know how comfortable I am with somebody just wholesale creating a story in the mm-hmm. world of the Wheel of Time. Mm-hmm. So, all right.
2: <laughs> I mean. But the, the Tam spinoff, we do have a lot of information from him about him fighting in the war. I could see that going a little better. Um, but I would hesitate to encourage that over them getting through the series. Like I'm, I'm worried about them getting through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. There's so much. Yeah. If we got to that point, it would be cool to see. Yeah. And that's, and that's something
0: that, you know, maybe we'll talk about that with mm -hmm. another prompt here, but, uh, I I don't think that they need to get through the whole thing per se. They just need to get to the end. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we'll talk about that maybe later.
1: My thoughts on that would be, I'm with you, Drew. I would not, specifically out of the three that we've mentioned, I definitely wouldn't want a Matt and two on because I feel like Matt, like Sanderson, when he took over the series, struggled to get Matt right for the first little while. And I think Matt is the most complicated character that, Matt is the most Robert Jordan personality. And so I feel like that character specifically would be really difficult for anybody other than Jordan to handle. Um, I do think having, if, if it's a big success, I wouldn't mind having some other sort of spinoff that maybe isn't within the main series. So if you're talking about an Aes Sedai story on the side of some cool adventure or expanding the world out, getting to know, Maybe mm-hmm. something, maybe some drama around uh, the game of houses and things like that would be really cool, mm-hmm. um, or like a Tom Marilyn type of thing would be really cool. But yeah. I wouldn't the want Adventures it to of be Tom Marilyn. Yeah, I wouldn't want it to be uh, a specifically a Matt story. I think.
3: Yeah, right. that's fair. Okay.
2: There, there are some options, definitely. You know, with with Tom, mm-hmm. his his backstory with Owen, mm-hmm. or his his story. You know, before he ended up in the palace. Mm-hmm. He, he's you know he's yeah there's some information there
1: yeah I think it would be really fun or like I said even just having doing a similar thing that uh that uh Sanderson did with Anders no not Anders not what's Andral? the Andral, uh and he kind of created his own character within within the story arc right yeah but yeah. maybe you take something from the war of power or you take something along those lines and you kind of tease it out a little bit but you don't it, as long as it doesn't do what I think we've seen with things like Solo and Rogue One, where it's, tying to, it's trying to tie to the main story arc too heavily, I'd want it to be a little bit disconnected.
0: Right, right. Yeah, they tried to do a spin-off with um, a Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. uh, with Arya heading off on her ship or something, Not and, and going and exploring the new world. Never happened. Yeah, yeah that got cancelled right quick. Because <laughs> um, it turns out that you know especially with a show like uh, wheel of time if it's successful and it goes for five six seven ten seasons you know by the time you get to the end of it doesn't matter it i'm serious it does not matter how good the show is it's done yeah and people audiences are done with it and so if you do end up doing a spinoff it's going to be like in 10 or 20 years when people want to revisit that classic thing and you know like just thinking about
3: not necessarily the specific books that Robert Jordan was planning on writing but something that I would be interested in in this theoretical situation might be something uh, pitting Arthur Hawkwing and Guayra Malsan against each other as foils in a War of the Second Dragon kind of series because we do have a lot of information about that in like the uh, Big White Book mm-hmm. and I, I always found that story really interesting and I think that could be a cool cool story Lots of action obviously involved there, lots of potential for being creative in a new direction with the Wheel of Time while not being just blatantly attached to the main Wheel of Time sequence.
0: All right. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to the next uh, prompt. Are we ready to spin and flip? Yeah. Sounds like a gymnastics tournament. (laughs) Heads. Heads.
2: I'm going to call that one.
0: One. Okay. So that's number two. Oh, this isn't going to work at all. No, no, no. So that's number nine. Sorry um hey ryan's here welcome ryan do you want to hop on a mic we're talking wheel of time okay grab the other chair and you can share mics with kyle um okay so number nine Lammy lambs asks uh best or favorite background plot lines background plot lines in the wheel of time i don't know there's only like one to choose from really that was a joke that was a joke um, I want to hear Kyle first on this one. Favorite background plotline.
1: Well, first of all, I guess what constitutes as a background You, plot you line, get to decide. Because there's so the many levels get. to it that there's like, <laughs> yeah. even what's in the background is half the time in the foreground. And so it's like, wait, hang on. When you're, um,
0: that There's a reason this is 14 books long. It's because exactly. nothing made it quite to the background.
1: Exactly. Um, I think just things going on in in the black tower so mm-hmm. we get a little bit more of that in the later books but i'd love to see more about what's going on with masram time and what's go- like in the actual uh black tower when he's in there recruiting and changing the ashaman and mm-hmm. into and turning them so i'd love to see more uh screen time for that yeah, you yeah. know me i love the villains so
0: yeah all right all right what lauren you look like you got something to I say i got this okay
2: yeah varin
0: oh oh man okay spoilers ahead yeah spoilers yeah. ahead <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so varin her entire situation where she found herself accidentally in the black aja and then is compiling all of this research and all of the things that she's had to do you know to leading up to her revealing everything and committing suicide
0: that oh okay all right i i actually like this one a lot and this would be no i want to save that for another prompt i, I hope we get <laughs> one that will allow me to talk about that more but i love your answer okay anybody else want to pipe in ryan do you have a favorite background
4: plot well clearly i want to talk about the economics and the uh the, the value of Valen lucas circus is the, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the, the subplot that we all really want the, the spin-off of the
0: problem is that, that was so foreground, it hurt.
4: <laughs> uh, no, the, the Black Alge as a whole. Um, you I, know what I want
0: to know I want from the show? The show needs to tell me more about how Elaine looks in a leotard. <laughs> that's, that's what we all need more of from this show. There wasn't she enough description there. there wasn't she didn't enough, wear exactly. a leotard. She or, she who wore leotard? She wore sparkly tight pants. Is that, there wasn't a
4: leotard involved? Not that I recall. Okay. That's just his fan art that he's done oh, on his yeah. own. <laughs>
0: Headcanon, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, sorry, Ryan. Go on. What were you going to say?
4: Uh, just kind of bouncing off Kyle's there. I Spending more time, we talked even in the podcast about going into more with the Forsaken. Mm. The the plannings and their workings in the background, I think would be a lot more, would be a lot of fun to spend time to see what they've done. You know, even maybe visiting them prior to Rand's ascendancy. Like, what were they doing between the original Fall of the Dragon and that? I just put my hand on Kyle's knee. It was a really nice moment.
1: <laughs>
4: uh, very, very touching. Okay,
0: all right, all right. It was touching.
1: Yeah.
0: What do you think, <laughs> Do you have an answer for
3: this uh, I do have an answer. Uh, for whatever reason, I always loved seeing the Terran nobleman whom Matt was like playing cards with and stuff at the beginning of the Shatterizing, these super immature, awful, awful people grow and turn into these great leaders and battle commanders with the band of the Red Hand by the end. I especially loved Nilesian. Spoilers, R.I.P. And, and, but I loved seeing like Esteen and, and, uh, like these guys who were like fat slobs and, and just total degenerates and the Shatterizing turn into upright military men and, and kind of. Shoulder,
0: they shoulder a lot of responsibility by the end, right? Yeah, I,
3: I, I always loved those little glimpses then we got to see as the series went on like growing into actual men instead of these awful That's, creatures
0: I was just gonna say it, it's it, it's interesting in the series and you know this is I'm not the first person to make this observation but you've got Rand and Perrin and Matt all of whom are leaders right uh, Taviran leaders and I'm just talking about I'm leaving the the women aside for a moment. Um, but you've got these three and they're kind of juxtaposed against each other in an interesting way where Matt is, is on the surface, the most childish, immature one. Uh, but he is easily the most successful at taking those around him and turning them into mature, responsible adults and getting them to do the right thing at the right time and all that stuff. Uh, so there's, there's something to Matt there. Okay. Okay. So let's do another spin and flip. And this time, so I'm going to probably limit our answers so we can get through as many of them as possible. So we'll just uh, take the, the first hands to be raised. So what are we on? Number five? And heads. Heads. So that's number five. Uh, Kip Tan asks, characterizations you're most excited for? So I assume he's talking about the show. I don't know what he means by characterizations, but we get to interpret that as we will. So what characterizations are you most excited for? And Lauren, why is it Min as a man? Oh, gosh. Did I touch a nerve? Oh!
2: <laughs> I do not want them to ruin that dynamic by making her a man. I hope they don't make her a man. <laughs> but I, I, I am excited for Moraine, I think, the most.
0: Okay. Just, Just to see what they can do with her.
2: I want to see her. I want to see her on screen and I want to see her be that confident Moraine who's going against things that she hasn't planned for. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and trying to save these boys, specifically the boys in the beginning, right? Oh, I, um, I'm excited for her.
0: Longtime listeners of the show will know that Moraine and I have <laughs> a, a not so secret love affair going on. Um, she, she's my lady.
4: So, I'm with you there. Okay, anybody Goodbye, yeah. else? We, I, I'm just really looking forward to uh, Lan walking up and saying, you are wanted. You are wanted. They, they have to make that happen. <laughs> all right, let's,
0: let's spin again. Oh, Let's spin again. All right, Drew. Oh, look oh. for it. All right, that's, uh, oh, that's number five. So, I'm just going to call it there. That's oh. actually uh, number 13. Um, all right, Stilgar12 asks, Why do we like lost kingdoms like Malkir and Monethrin so much? might be just me. Um, so what is it about the mystique, I guess, of these? Or, or well, is that
3: I, it? I think that's exactly it. I think it's the, the sense of wonder and the sense of mystery. I mean, that's why we love these fantasy books so much. It's, it's the unfamiliar and the exciting. And when we get these big, rich worlds in stuff like Lord of the Rings or The Wheel of Time or The Cosmere or anything like that, we, by necessity hopefully, are not going to get all the details, you know? And and it's it's that striking that balance of rich world building and keeping some things mysterious and wondrous that, I mean, at least to me, and I think to a lot of fantasy readers, is what drives our interest in a lot of things. And Manetherin and hearing the story that Moirin tells at the beginning of Eye of the World, that is one of those key, key moments that draws readers into the Wheel of Time because you're like, wow
0: yeah Yeah. there's a a point here to be made i think about nostalgia and you can see this in the real world a lot where we we hearken back to an imagined uh idealized past and so maybe for some people it's the the 1950s with its jolly conformity or you think back to uh you know i just i love the the kind of yeoman era of 18th century you know East Coast America, the Virginia colonies, and all that, I don't know what. Uh, Whatever it is you're looking back to, and we just, we kind of think about, oh man, wasn't that great? I read about that in a history book, and it sounds great. And then you see depictions of it, or you read an actual historical account of what it was like to live in Jamestown when it was a colony, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's a nightmare. Mm -hmm. I would never want to do that, right? And uh, so when it comes to even a, a book like this, um, it, when we read fantasy medieval fantasy like this we uh we feel like oh you know oh robert jordan is presenting us with this idealized medieval fantasy world and then you scratch the surface just a little bit and it's like oh no this is a horrific place for so many of these people to live and look at all these awful things that are happening to all these people um but even within that world you have that idealized idea of malkir this mm-hmm. this uh perfect warrior society that uh you know, that, that does this or that thing just right. And can't we just get back to that ideal? And it probably never quite existed, but it's that same feeling of like an idealized right. other.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's it's both the ideal and the story of it, right? So it's the drama that's surrounding the lost city because mm-hmm. the cities are lost for some crazy dramatic reason. Either they were overrun in some sort of war or battle or whatever, or we didn't even talk about the most interesting lost city in the Wheel of Time, in my opinion, which is Shadar Logoth. Mm, yeah. And you know the fall of Shadar Logoth was because of the corruption, and so it's it's the story and the drama behind why it's lost. It's never like uh the economy tanked, and everybody just moved away. you know that's not an interesting lost city story. <laughs> it's always something evil happened and took over this you know ideal city or or there's the corruption of Shadar Logoth, and it's now this like really ominous place and so. I think we're drawn to it for the for the story and intrigue um, because I don't I think there is a certain uh, aspect to the idealism there but uh, in the case of Shadow Logoth it's it's kind of the opposite of that
0: yeah all right I'm into that Uh, let's spin again unless Ryan did you have something you were burning to say
4: the only thing about the only I wanted to add is just that Lost cities, these cultures that are things, also give a, a weight and a depth to the books mm-hmm. that says this has this society this has, has been, been on here for a, while. for a long time. Which, if you don't have that, then all of a sudden, uh, you lose just a little bit of that. Uh, it's kind of weight. what you were talking about that that weight. And I, I appreciate authors who will take the time to extend the timeline of their worlds to do that rather than be like, all right, this is the Adam and Eve story of this world, you know, mm-hmm. type thing where. These are the first people who are doing magic these are the first one right right right
0: okay yeah I, I think that's a good point okay let's spin again here we go uh number eight tales tales so number 16 uh influence ah this is the one influence of the wheel of time on the genre um, especially compared to lord of the rings and what it did so this is something that we uh had originally talked about doing an entire episode on but you know i think we can we can probably just shorten it up cliff notes cliffs notes this thing i'll try um so (laughs) so here's what made me think of this subject uh because you guys are are wheel of time experts and i really wanted to get your take on this Uh, it strikes me that when lord of the rings came out in the 50s it introduced this new idea of what a fantasy story is and it was big and it was epic and it was heartbreaking and it was stark in its depictions of good and evil and all these things that we came to expect. And also importantly, it was accidentally a trilogy, right? Mm-hmm. So if you don't know the story very quickly, there was a paper shortage in England. He wanted it to be all one volume. The, the uh, publisher said, no, we literally cannot do that. So if you want this published, we have to split it up. So he gave in and we got three volumes. Suddenly the fantasy trilogy, as we know it, was born on accident. And it spawned this whole idea of the fantasy uh, uh, trilogy throughout the genre for decades. And then along comes The Wheel of Time in the 90s. And there were, I'm not saying that all fantasy was trilogies. There were, you know, The Belgariad was five books. There are there examples of mm-hmm. other things that were not quite that, but that was the norm. Uh, and then The Wheel of Time comes along. And he's like, just like every other fantasy author, he's like, I'm gonna write me a trilogy. <laughs> And then it accidentally becomes 14 massive books. He, I mean, he originally, you know, was going to do 12. Um, so. And then it became this huge thing. And so it, it has now rewritten what the epic fantasy genre is. And now we have Sanderson writing this 10-book epic. We've got five books for uh, Lightbringer. That's a million and a half words. We've got Malazan. That's, a know, what is it? Uh, 1,800 books and counting? So Something like that. Yeah. Anyway, so even in just that way um it has rewritten a little bit of the dna of the genre but there's a lot more to dig into right drew
3: yeah and i think probably the most enduring influence outside of just the proliferation of these massive multi-volume epic fantasies in the wake of the wheel of time when almost immediately after that success we see things like the sort of truth popping up and Uh, You know, A Song of Ice and Fire and uh, and, Malazan and so on and so forth. Um, I think the trend in fantasy and in the kinds of stories that authors were trying to tell after The Wheel of Time was both in recognition and in opposition to The Wheel of Time. And that was The Wheel of Time took the Tolkien-esque fantasy and brought that style of story to its apex. And we're not seeing people trying to surpass that anymore. We're seeing people writing in opposition to that. We're seeing subversive fantasies. We're seeing grimdark explode. You know, we're we're seeing, uh, especially in in probably like the last decade, a proliferation of um, authors of color, and and instead of Eurocentric fantasies, we're seeing fantasies based on African cultures and. Eastern Asian cultures and you know it's it's trying to write the unfamiliar now because the familiar that Tolkien established back in the mid 20th century has reached its natural conclusion in a way and it's almost time for us to write something different
0: Mm -hmm. interesting
4: okay Ryan what do you think of this uh i hadn't really actually thought of it along those lines but i i i I think i agree with that quite completely um i I would love to be a little more aware of the uh how audience response to things has changed those things because we talk about grimdark becoming a very company um and it's the things it's the the song of ice and fire and things like that that audiences are clamoring for that they're they're actually waiting for they're doing the pre-orders that are telling people this is what i want more of and at the time with wheel of time I wasn't, I wasn't a, a follower of The Wheel of Time when it was coming out there, but I did, I did have friends who were and I know that they were always clamoring for the next book to come out. And so I'm curious as to what the current demand is. What is it that the audiences are saying that's going to shape what fantasy is going to be? Uh, so we, what is our next Wheel of Time going to be based on what our people are asking for? Right. And, and I would hope,
0: and I think this is the case, but I would hope that it's the case that it won't be what fans, fans are clamoring for. That will change the genre. It'll be another bolt from the blue. It'll be something that nobody was expecting. That comes out. And, and look this is not. Uh, this is not a knock on anything. That's being published now. Um, to say that we haven't had anything. Really revolutionary. In a while. Right. There's a lot of great fantasy out there. But nothing that has quite taken. The genre by storm. In the way that uh, that. Some of these other things have especially Wheel of Time and Lord of the Rings. Um, and so anyway, that's that's my yeah. only two cents in response I, to that.
1: I feel like as well, you've got to to Drew's point, like there was this culmination of, or the apex of this type of storytelling and it kind of spread out. I feel like we're getting there. I feel like with what Sanderson's doing in the Cosmere and how massive that story is on top, and I haven't even read the Cosmere and I'm familiar <laughs> with how massive that is. I feel like we're going to get to a fatigue point where there's so much. Get to? Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> are, we're there already, right? Maybe. Or, or maybe, or maybe, I don't or maybe know. we are. I mean, I'm I'm definitely struggling with it. It's such a huge mountain to climb. um, And it's kind of one of those badge of honors. Like, if you get through this, you, you've gotten through it. That, that used to be the Wheel of Time that you've read all 14 books. Now it's the Cosmere because there's so much. And I'm wondering if we're at another uh, turning point where it's going to be, you know, we have things at our disposal now as fantasy sci-fi fans that, you know, we have Netflix and things like that where we can binge watch stories. We can take bite sized stories in games or like I said, on, on streaming services or so I feel like the magnitude of stories that are being told, I wonder if the next evolution of, Fantasy is going to be more on a micro scale.
3: Yeah, and i I think it's really interesting how you brought up the Cosmere, and, and oh man, this is such a an onion to peel back layers on. So where the Cosmere we might is this spin the wheel again, ladies and gentlemen. We might monolith, but Brandon Sanderson foresaw that, and that's why he tried to write it in these bite sized chunks. Like here's a standalone, and here's a trilogy, and here's another standalone, and then and this is I'll, I'll freely admit something I'm guilty of the fandom took that and is forcing it as a monolithic whole upon new readers instead of saying hey maybe try out the Mistborn trilogy and if you like that read on it's like oh, no gosh. here's
0: here's the like, Cosmere yeah. yeah
3: thank you for making that point thank you Drew <laughs> and, and yeah like I'm calling I'm calling myself out on that so because it's Like I'll freely admit, there's a screenshot of a full Cosmere reading order from my phone (laughs) that titled "Drew's Cosmere Reading Order" floating around the Facebook groups. Like,
0: (laughs) well, I don't think there's I don't think there's anything wrong with you know within the within the fandom talking about that. But uh, sorry, that now we're we're getting a little bit too far afield. but, but, But
3: but to that point that Kyle said, I I think you're right in that authors are recognizing the fatigue and are are trying to write more accessible things in the size and the
1: authors themselves are fatigued because they can't finish their damn series <laughs> yeah. anymore right how yeah. many Seriously.
2: series are we waiting
1: on to be finished oh yeah i mean
2: i got it, two off the top of my head
0: <laughs> i think we all have yeah <laughs> so let's spin again i'm sorry lauren yeah you want to <laughs> go okay i want you to go so, too so
2: i felt like one thing robert jordan brought um that i haven't seen a whole lot of was the amount of exploration into different cultures Mm -hmm. like each of his regions you've got clothing you've got speech patterns you've got traditions and ways of thinking that it you know you don't normally see that in fantasy it's a lot to pack into one book when you've got characters who are exploring an entire city and culture it's mostly just we've got our mission we're gonna buzz through you know but he brought that in and it and it seemed to be one of his focuses. Yeah, that, was that I definitely. think he, he really, I feel like Sanderson took, you know. Because he's in in the Stormlight Archive, you know, you see you see those different cultures, and you see the different people of that world.
3: That's certainly the case with things like
0: Malazan, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, oh, we were talking about this maybe with, uh, yeah, Ryan. <laughs> easy.
4: Breathe. Oh goodness, I'm, I'm in the middle of Deadhouse Gates right now. I've been I've been trying to push through. I'm trying to get get Malazan. I am just my head is exploding <laughs> yeah. trying to keep track of what is going on in this.
0: <laughs> no, I. But I want to go back to something that we actually brought up on our Broken Eye episode uh, last week, which was that this is this is something that Epic Fantasy does well, and that non-epic fantasy readers are understandably frustrated by but those who enjoy it this is why we enjoy it because it takes the time to explore things and to breathe and to actually inhabit a culture for a few pages instead of just breezing right through it like you said lauren Mm -hmm. all right shall we shall we spin yeah let's do it uh all right i can't even remember what we've talked about number five so we're uh, (laughs) heads actually we've done both number fives so let's do that uh okay number 7. Uh number 7 which means number 15 in this case. Sorry because we've already done Yeah. That. Uh Lammy Lambs asks how would you rearrange book events primarily books 8 through 11 to make that section of the show less of a slog. Uh so okay so Lammy Lambs just uh just annoyed a lot of people by begging the question here uh, in this case we are assuming that there is a slog some people dispute that. I'm gonna go ahead and say, yeah, there's a slog. It's real. You can debate how sloggy it is, but uh, but what do we need to change, if anything?
2: Oh, Drew, here we go. Um, How you
0: doing, Drew? How's your blood pressure?
3: You all right? No, my my blood pressure is okay. It's just a (laughs) that's a big question. Uh, The only thing that immediately leaps out to me is, I would break up the cleansing, and Mm. I would spoiler alert, cut away. And, and give people glimpses. It doesn't need to be full-on five-chapter sequences like we got in Crossroads of Twilight, but take some of those moments from Crossroads of Twilight that felt so slow because they were just a rewind of what everybody else is doing while that bloody beacon is out in the distance. Just take that cleansing sequence and cut away at points to show how other people are reacting while it's happening and then cut back to the action. You know.
1: Yeah, I agree with that because I think the... The the show is actually a better medium to tackle. To books show Elaine's nine bath. and ten. Yeah, that's what he meant by the cleansing was Elaine's Elaine's, Elaine's bath. Elaine's bath. Okay. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I mean that was the issue, right? The you read book nine, and then you've got all these story arcs that have to catch up to what's going on in book ten, and it feels like wait, this is a weird shift, and so you can you can cut back and forth a lot easier.
0: I've got one thing you can so. do immediately, and I mean immediately um either don't introduce fael or let her drown in the damn river oh my when god she meets and then you don't have to worry about rescuing her later on
2: so. we we use that when i i tell him he's he's failed at something <laughs> what are you failed you're Fayil. <laughs> just cuz so many people call her i know i
0: i i did soften toward fael uh, by the end of the series, uh, but she's still a fun punchline. So sorry, oh, sorry, she, she, sorry, she is. Um, okay, so maybe I'm just not even going to spin anymore. We'll do a couple more, uh, but we better start wrapping this up. Uh, our buddy Daniel Green submitted a question. Um, he would like us to debate whether more braids are tugged or skirts smoothed. We need answers. Skirts. skirts. Oh, is that is that real? Is that I, I
3: don't know the actual numbers, but it's got to be skirts. There's only yeah. one
4: person tugging on her braid, and but they she are tugs
0: so, it constantly. Which sounds are filthy so filthy many skirts. Make it sound
4: like she's a teenage boy, like <laughs> who just discovered the incognito mode.
0: <laughs> oh,
2: uh,
0: the wheel of time to clear your cookies. Um, i
2: want to see this wow. actress like master that just her just being like
4: thank you for saying that <laughs> i'm pretty sure that's how okay. she auditioned they're just like come in tug the braid, and go You're good. <laughs> uh
0: okay <laughs> let's let's move on let's, let's move on um okay i like this one we're gonna we're gonna do a two for here and this is where we're gonna end it for today and if i didn't get to yours i apologize but uh Oh, no. No, we're going to go quick fire. Yeah, I'm going to make through my way through as many of these but as we you're can. Gonna say,
1: Okay, no, I don't apologize.
0: <laughs> That's true. I really oughtn't. Uh, Rowan Kenobi, do you think they will keep the in-world swearing? Yes.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: They've got, they've got Please. to. Please. That's what makes it so great. Mother's milk in a cup. If they get rid of that, I'm going to be so pissed. She's um,
3: swallowing bloody buttered onions.
0: <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, oh, there it is. Uh, Abe Lincoln Froman. Uh, what, which is the greatest name of all time. I'm, <laughs> I'm just, just going to say it every king time. of Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we're going to come back to Abe lincoln Froman in a second. Haliax asks, changes that the series should make? Should make. We talked a little bit about, uh, you know, addressing the slog in 8 through 11, or I would say 8 through 10. Lauren's
1: going to hate me for this one, but okay. I mentioned it on our original run of yep. the podcast. I know what you're going to say. You got to cut Min out and give her character and spread that out to other characters.
3: I'm all aboard. I can't stand men.
2: No, I'm not gonna hate it. I just don't want them to make her a boy. All right. Mm.
4: Yeah, that was you'd uh, rather was, she die than be a man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. This show needs men um, like
3: fish need a bicycle. So I, I, have one that I would like to see cut. I would like for them to cut the weird little like Elaine flirting with Tom thing. Oh, uh, okay. You know, yeah, yeah, fires yeah. of heaven. Yeah, I, that like, gets a little odd. That was so weird and so out of place.
1: Combine like. 1200 Aes Sedai into the other 1200 Aes Sedai. <laughs> all the random one offs can be one giant Aes Sedai. So, so
3: Ciane and Sayerin and Sierin can all become one Aes Sedai instead of Ciarin. three? Yes. <laughs> you guys are all making my head explode. Um,
0: uh, as uh, this is the, file, this one under it's not because I don't enjoy it in the book, but to streamline the show to get us through all this stuff a little bit quicker. Sorry, Ogier, you're out of here. Oh, no. I know, I know. I Look, I love Loyal, I love, have Loyal, I love O'Gear. It's That's not what I'm saying. But in an adaptation, I might say they've got to go. So, uh, in a similar vein, Abe Lincoln-Frohman, uh, what, what do you think the show has to include? And if it doesn't, it sucks. Um, so... Ooh, good,
4: good, good question. Just outside of core plot points. <laughs>
0: um, I, I'm going to go with the design because it's a pretty clear design. The design of the Trollocs. If they Ooh. if they ork up the Trollocs, uh, then I don't think that will be acceptable. They have to include the Trollocs as written, visually.
3: They have to include the Shanchan. I don't think they're going to cut them, but they have to include them.
0: Okay. Uh, the the greatest, I mean, I think the single greatest plot point in all of Wheel of Time might be Egwene um, I- Collard. Oh. It's yeah, it's uh, the most visceral moment for me in the entire series, and it ripples throughout the entire thing. Yeah. And, and informs everything about her character uh, after that. So
2: she doesn't make sense; her actions don't make sense without that.
0: Right.
1: I feel like they have to spend time with Rand in the box. Oh yeah, like they need to do Rand in the box justice, or it will have been a, a fail. Oh, that's
2: rough. Oh, that's that's a gonna be point. rough.
4: Uh, Ryan, you look like you're thinking hard. Did you want to throw anything in there? No, you guys hit pretty well. Uh, there, I minor. I'll keep coming up for like minor things that I hope don't drop off, but nothing major that like has to be there. Like okay. the fox and uh, fox and snake stories. The what Matt, how Matt gets his memories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like moments like that. Like I feel like it's important but they could potentially they could adapt it around it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Hmm. well, let's what do you say we call it there? We feeling good? We actually addressed if we didn't address every single one, it was really close. So uh, thank you, everybody, for submitting questions. I hope you enjoyed it Uh, again. You know, it's weekend episodes, so we just screw around for a little while and hope that it makes sense on the mics. So uh, go to patreon.com slash legendarium if you appreciate what we do and you want to support the show. And you want to see it continue, then uh, patreon.com legendarium is where you can go do that. If you would like to join the conversation, go to thelegendarium.reddit.com or you can hit me up for an invite to the Discord server where we do a lot more live chatting amongst ourselves and with the listeners. So with that in mind, follow us on all the other social medias and we'll be back next week with uh, another Dresden Files episode. So there's Dresden Files coming up. We got more Lightbringer coming up and we'll be happy to see you there. Lauren, Drew, thank you so much for coming in. Yeah, thank you. We've enjoyed it. Good, and everybody go check out Inking Out Loud and uh, listen to Drew there as well. All right, we'll see you later.
2: we sitting in the car. We were not making out. We were not doing anything like that. We were just talking in the car, and he was like, "I feel like you get a lot from somebody else when you make eye contact." He was like, "Do you want to?"
3: Like, oh no, no. I feel no, like that no. sounds a lot like something a serial. Killer I feel like he was probably
1: He's not a serial killer. Say like, do you want to make out? But chickened out. So he was like, "Do you want to make <laughs> eye <laughs> contact?" <everybody?" laughs>